I'm on my way to see the most dedicated wildlife carers you'll ever meet. Hey Kev, how are you going? Yeah, how are you? Deep into the bushland of Wollombi National Park, Ros and Kev Home run Australia's only specialty wombat hospital out of their own home. They've had an influx of patients due to the recent drought and I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going. Our rental car can't quite handle the dirt track that leads to Ros and Kev's home. So Kev offers to pick us up on the edge of the highway in his four-wheel drive. So how many you got in care at the moment, Kev? I think there's about 19 or 20 or something. From all different sizes, down to little ones, up to big ones ready to be released. Later on, if they want to come back, they can. We just leave the gate open for a while. and They might go for a month and then come back, you know. So they never forget that you've looked after them. Yeah. we got a big bloke coming back. He's been coming back for about six years. And he comes running down the driveway and he'll have a sweet potato and a carrot and then disappear again for another six months. Amazing. Mm. When I first came here three years ago, there were wombats everywhere, even sleeping in baby cots in the living room. There were so many, I don't know how Ros and Kev could keep track of them all. How does Ros name all the wombats that come through? We usually name them from the people who've got them, because we got Allens and we got um, Barneys and we got Rods and all that sort of thing, and um, Shirley. <laughs> But most of the time, Ros goes through an Aboriginal book and gets a name that means something. But last year we had that many of them. We had a BB, a CC, a DD, just going through the alphabet. Well, I'm sure you've been through the whole alphabet. Yeah, just I about, mean, how many yeah. wombats do you reckon you've looked after over the over the years? Oh, God, I couldn't tell you. be hundreds, not even probably a thousand. We've never been without them. As we pull up, I spot Ros in the distance, hard at work on the tractor. We're here. That's the hospital now. Wow, it's come a long way. From a caravan... To that. Looks like a tin shed, Kev. Yeah, she's a beauty, isn't it? A trained vet nurse, Roz now leads the way in wombat treatments and she's keen to show me around. These are two of your patients in the pens here, hey? Um, we've had this guy probably a few weeks now because we're getting a lot of drought-affected wombats from okay. out west now where there's no water. No grass whatsoever. Oh, look, he's energetic, isn't he? Look at him. Oh, yeah. Oh, there he goes. Which is a good sign that he's doing well. Running around his pen. Yep, he's doing really well. When he first showed up, he was just emaciated, mm. dehydrated because the property he come from had no water. Okay. When he first come in, all you could see was rib cage and a backbone. If you can see a backbone in a wombat, there's something wrong. Will he bite me? Yep. Yeah, just pat him on the back there. He's quite wiry, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Hello, mate. So all we do with him is feed him and give him water. I think the first day he just drunk that dry and we had to keep filling that up. He was that panicking over water. So we'd never let that go empty now because anything to do with drought, they'll panic. Um, some days he'll stand over it. He's just too frightened to leave his water. Wow. So um, he gets, we pick grass as well because we've got to try to keep them on grass. It's pretty much impossible with this drought. But yeah, there's food in his pen at all times so he doesn't have to stress about no food. While the hospital has undergone a huge transformation, Ros and Kev's tireless work ethic and can-do attitude remains the same. So, Ros and Kev, good to see you after three years. Yeah, Not much has changed. You're still working 24-7, caring for sick wombats. I think it's like 
over 30 years now you've been caring for, yeah. for wombats. So tell me, what is it about wombats that makes you so dedicated to saving and protecting them, Ros? Um, they are a lovable character. They've all got their own individual um, personalities. They can also be very naughty. I think I like the naughty side of them more than anything. You get a lot of farmers that, oh, I hate wombats, it's wrecking my fence or it's, it's eating my grass. And Well, they were all here before we were. So I think they got more right to be here than what we have. And there was a lot of people that weren't doing adult wombats. Everyone likes the cute baby. Everyone can do a cute baby and feed a cute baby. As soon as you mention um, a car accident wombat or a dog attack adult, they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. I just love wombats, really. But I do love every animal. Do you think you see something in the wombat that's in you, maybe? The stubbornness. Kev will probably agree to that. Yeah, a bit of that. Um, Animals with attitude. (laughs) That's pretty much me. (laughs) This is where the little ones go. Have you named these guys? Yeah, we got uh, Tommy is uh, that one. Tommy, Timmy and And Katie. Katie. Hello, Tommy. Do you want a whole one? Oh, yeah, of course I do. I'll get um, this big fella. Come on. Where's the other one? They love shoelaces, so when they clank onto your shoelace and start eating, it's like wombat spaghetti to them, and they'll chew them off to nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, kids. Come on. Come on, kids. Kev, how would you describe a wombat to someone who actually hasn't seen one before? Oh, a 20-litre drum with legs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Got the brain of one, too. (laughs) With sharp teeth. Yeah. If they want to go forward, they'll go forward, whether you're standing there or not. They'll just go through you. The new building may be in the couple's backyard, but it has everything a surgeon would need, including ICU areas for severely hurt wombats and pens for ones on the mend. Roz tells me it's all thanks to one visitor who made a heartfelt gesture. Well, we had the hospital when you were here last, um, just the caravan, and it's really hard to work in a caravan, I think and everyone would agree, when you've got a really huge wombat. So when um, this beautiful girl rang me one day, Sophie, and she said, do you mind if I come up and play with some wombats? Because she does love wombats. And I said, of course you can. And um, we pretty much spent the day together. Mm. And um, she said to me, like everyone does, what would be the one thing that you really need? And I get that asked a lot, so I was being quite sarcastic with Sophie at the time and said, I want a decent bloody hospital. And um, she said to me, OK, and I, we, me and Kev sort of laughed when she left and she rang up and wanted some um, legal numbers to get a raffle going. Uh, she contacted us, what, a couple of months after? Yeah. And she said, I'm bringing the hospital up. And um, I think I dropped the phone and um, then I asked her to explain and she said, we've organised the hospital, we've organised the truck to bring it on. Me and Kevin were still in shock. And um, then it arrived a couple of hours later and I think the first thing I did, I think I nearly cried. I was surprised to hear that a lot of the patients that come through the hospital are suffering from a debilitating skin disease. What is mange in, in layman's terms? How does it affect the wombats? Because you see a lot of the wombats come through here with this debilitating skin disease. It's a sarcoptic mite that burrows under the skin and then lays thousands of eggs, um, which then cause crusting. Um, it's a 
a really terrible disease that needs to be treated if left. They suffer a really horrendous death. They only come out in the sun to get warm because they can't thermoregulate their body temperature. So they're literally freezing. What other sort of injuries do you see come through your hospital? This year, dog attacks. Worse. Yeah. Dog attacks. um, The other year it was car accidents because you're going to get that in drought. But dog attacks... Everyone goes, oh, they're wild dogs, and they're not. majority of them are domestic dogs. Animals are coming into people's backyards, more looking for water and grass, so you're going to get more dog attacks. That is our main expense at the moment because you need antibiotics and a lot of cream to fix these guys. It's domestic dogs that do this, not wild dogs, because wild dogs will actually kill for food. Oh dear. That's all infected. So that's quite a big bite mark on her neck. Bike and scratch where a domestic dog will actually roll them over. So there's actually canine teeth in that. Dogs cause really bad infections. A lot of people don't realise that. She gets antibiotic injections daily. So how long has she been here? Um, Only a few days. She's got to actually be released back where she come from because of age. She's probably at least two, three years old, isn't she? Yeah, roughly, She'll probably be here a couple of weeks. I try not to keep them here too long because they do have to go back to their own area when they come in as adults. But if that infection doesn't clear within a few weeks and I've got to hear longer, then we sort of work out something else. We do get pretty annoyed with the dog attack ones because it's attacks that shouldn't happen. And it's a healthy wombat that's got to come in, then you've got to feed it, so there's expense of that. Yeah, you're upsetting a healthy wombat that has to go back to that area if they're full grown, and then you can't guarantee them dogs aren't going to attack that wombat again. We've had a couple in that we actually microchipped and um, we've sent them back to that area only to come back again from dog attacks. So what do you do then? Do you have to take them back? The majority of the time, yes, you do have to take an adult wombat back to their area. Um, we have released a couple here because the people wouldn't tie their dogs up no. or chain their dogs up or fence them, whatever. Um, them sort of people will make sure that wombat stays here. There's no point spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a wombat to get it better to send it back to get ripped up again. How do you feel when you actually can't save one of them? And I'm sure there's been many cases over the years. I can't even remember how many we've lost over the years. It gets very depressing, I guess. Sometimes, you know, as soon as you you see a wombat or you pick a wombat up, especially if its throat's ripped um, or pouch, we've seen a couple that pouches are ripped and we've had to put them down... Wombat without a pouch is no good in the wild, so you have to euthanise those ones. Um, Yeah, it's really depressing. Dog attacks more so because it's something that can be stopped and you know once you see certain amount of damage to a wombat, especially as far as eyelids go or pouch, you know you can't save it because... They can't live without their eyelids or their pouch. So as um, soon as you see them ones, you know straight away that's going to have to be euthanised now. And So yeah. how do you bounce back from that? Um, usually within the next day there's another wombat you're going to save. I try not to dwell on it. When I first started, everything upset me, every wombat I lost. I think I used to beat myself up for weeks, didn't I? 
could I do something different? Now I, I try to document everything. But, yeah, I think we get stronger as because we've been doing it for so long and we do save a lot. You bounce back pretty quick because you've got another one coming in. It's not as though I've lost that one, I'm never going to have a wombat again. You know within a few days you're going to get that call and there'll be another one coming in, especially from carers out west at the moment because they've got no release sites or no water. Um, so they're ringing, Roz, can you help with this one? And, and obviously I'm going to say yeah. So, yeah, we bounce back. Pretty much, don't we? You've got to. Roz, it's not often in a relationship that your partner also has the same passion as you. How did you guys both come to develop that love and want to save wombats together? How did it all begin? I think it was when me and Kevin were already together because we were neighbours. He had wildlife. I've always had wildlife all my life. And then we bought a property out west. Marywall. And then we rescued probably our first wombat together then. We had not much of an idea what we were doing, but we got through that one and raised that one. And then the property that we owned was a really bad drought property at the time and had heaps of mange wombats on it. So all the farmers were shooting them. That's what they do out there. And I thought, well, we're not going to shoot them. We wanted to treat them. So we pretty much just studied. We knew a lady that used to treat mange and we just went from there. And then it, Mm. it sort of blew into a pretty big thing for us at that stage and we never expected it to get like it did did we as big as it did we just it just blew out and this is where it's been we sort of just started out as normal carers like everyone else um to the point where now i have vets ring me ask um zoos ask for our help and we do help a lot of zoos out with their wombats but it's just natural to us. It's a labour of love, really, isn't it? So, how warm's that water? Not yet. Should be close. Kevin treats wombats as much as I do. He goes out in the field even if I can't. So we pretty much do everything together. And I need his muscle because sometimes I just can't lift the big 40 kilo wombats up. I do try. But um, majority of the time I need Kev there to lift something big into the car and he can catch them a lot easier than I can. Do you want to come out and feed them? Yeah, I think everyone can have a bottle. So how do you guys complement each other when it comes to saving the wombats? What roles do you each play? When I'm training people, obviously, I'm I'm always saying to them, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. But when we're working together, even with our grandchildren, we've all got our own role. So we sort of just get out of the car and just do it. I always do the medical side of stuff. Kevin, majority of the time, has to do the catching and the handling of the heavy heavy ones. Um, And we just sort of go into action mode straight from the car. We like to, we don't want to stress an animal, so it has to be caught quick, put in the car relatively quick and and bring it straight home. And then I do all my medical stuff and he does all the holding and the heavy stuff. Come on. Here we got. Here they come. If you want to... uh... Do they know it's feed time, Kev? Yeah. 
See him snapping at it if you just point it at him. Is that Tommy? Yeah. Do you want to just point that at his mouth? There it is, darling. It's Katie? Yeah. Yeah, Katie. There you go, darling. There. There you go. That's nice. Yeah. I've always called them my kids. I treat them sometimes better than my own family because they do need more attention. They do need more care than a normal person. All my animals, my birds included, are kids. They're family. We don't take things on and just dump animals like some people do. We see them right through to the very end until they leave home, pretty much. So I've heard about Jarley, Roz. Tell us about Jarley's story. Okay, well, I'll take you up to see Jarley now. He's our miracle boy. Mm. When he was first brought in from a very bad drought area, he was also attacked by wombats, emaciated, dehydrated. I took him up to my vet clinic and both vets said that there was no way this guy was going to be able to survive. He was that bad. He was literally frozen, which only usually happens when they're already have died or about to die. So my good vets up there helped me get an IV catheter in. So we had fluids and um, I'll take you through now and I'll show you. So he was on the brink of death. He was on the brink of death um, pretty much for two weeks. He actually slept on my chest probably for a week. Took us forever to warm him up. His body temperature just would not warm up, which is a sign that they're given up. So I pretty much said goodbye to this guy three or four times, only to come home and see that he was actually literally looking at me. Do you think wombats cop a hard time in Australia? I mean, are they misunderstood? Oh, definitely. Definitely. We have tried to change a few people. I think we have a couple of people. We bring them up and actually show them what wombats are like, show them that they've got great personalities, and then they're like, oh, I didn't realise they were like that. We just thought, you know, they're a slow-moving animal. We didn't realise they play. We didn't realise that um, how fast they move. Hmm. So, yeah, you've got to learn to change people's attitude, I feel, with all wildlife, not just wombats. So now he's well and truly on the mend. Um, Surprised both my vets, me, and a couple of the carers that actually literally rescued him originally, even they didn't think that he would make it. So here's Jarley. Hello, Jarley. How you going, mate? He's a beautiful boy. He does look pretty healthy now, don't you, mate? He was that weak, he couldn't even walk. Um, We put him on the ground. He was starving, wasn't he, for grass. And all his water supply had dried up. So how old's Jarley now and how long's he been in your care? Jarley has been in our care for at least six months now. It probably took a month to even see a little bit of improvement. It was that slow. And how long will you keep him for? Um, He'll probably stay with us now until he's at least 20 odd kilos. He can't go back to the area he come from because there's no grass whatsoever or water. And we're seeing a lot of wombats and kangaroos dead in that area now. I mean, looking at how nice he looks now and how healthy and his fur looks great. 
He couldn't imagine how bad he was. Yeah, he shocked everyone. I don't know how many videos I had to send to the vets to show that, yes, he's still alive. He pretty much was in the house with us and I wouldn't take my eye off him, keep thinking there was something else going to go wrong. You get so much satisfaction. I mean, you can just hear it, you know, when you actually help that wombat and make him get better. Is that why you'd keep doing it? Yeah, I think so. You know, we get a few really bad ones and people go, that won't live, or vets will say, well, that one's going to die and then it lives. And then to see them released, um, anything that's been really broken boned or bad mange, I do microchip so I know exactly what wombat it is when they do come back after release. And it's like, wow, you're, you know, you've got like one of our ones brought their baby back to show us. And like a few years ago, you'd think, oh, well, I was told you wouldn't make it. Now look at you, you're having a baby now. So um, that's a great feeling, yeah. I think. There is no doubt in my eyes that Ros and Kev see themselves as parents to these wombats. When I saw them mixing up baby milk formula, the same as you would for your own child. You can really see the nurturing and the care and the love that they give to these wombats. These wombats are their kids. And how can they let their kids down? They just can't. They're never going to give up. We're All Animals was presented by me, Tracy Preston, producer Lou Dimovich, executive producer Liv Proud, sound production by Matt Nikolic, creative direction by Jennifer Goggin. <laughs>